I can't believe you don't shut up. I thought we were done for the week. Little Friday action on the TCA podcast, and and really, it's because of my Friday night circumstances, I guess. Matt Robinson with you for uh, just a quick hitter here today. The news that the Leafs had acquired Ilya Labushkin broke late Thursday night. Uh, a couple of mentions on the old Twitter asking if that was going to mean an emergency pod that night. Uh, no uh, was the only answer to that. I think the trade came down 10.30, 10.45, whatever it was. I'd already crawled into bed. I was not getting up to uh, to go back in and fire up the studio again to talk about Ilya Labushkin. I said, I'll get to it in the morning. And I slept on it. I'm reading a little bit about it when I woke up in the morning. And then I kind of hemmed and hawed most of the day. I was puttering away on other things in the studio. And you kind of get to a point, you're like, I really don't know how much I care about Ilya Labushkin. Is that enough to go in and fire up the studio? Yeah, maybe. And then you get sitting here, it's about 6 o'clock on Friday night. I'm sort of kicking around going, should I have a beer? Maybe I should have a beer. I don't know, do I need a beer? I'm going, oh, I have a podcast. If I do a podcast, it'll give me, that'll give me an excuse to have a beer. Not that you normally really need an excuse, but I was sort of looking for one. And so suddenly I cared a, quite, a, a great deal about Ilya Labushkin and had to come in. We had to talk about it. This is a big deal, Ilya Labushkin from the Anaheim Ducks, the Toronto Maple Leafs. It shifts the entire landscape of the Eastern Conference, uh, one might say. <laughs> Many others might not say, but one might. Uh, so let's start with the beer, because that's why I'm actually in here. Uh, this one... I found kind of tucked away in the back of the fridge from an order I had done back in the fall. This is from the Shiloh Brewing Company right here in Ottawa. Uh, they make some nice stuff, but this one, for whatever reason, kept getting pushed back and, and kind of put behind other things from there that we'd been trying over the last couple of months. This is called Beer Snob. It is a Belgian rye ale uh, clocking in at 6%. So it is perfect for early on a Friday evening, right? And it's going to be an okay Friday night around here. The Jays are on, the Sens, oh, the Sens. By the time you hear this, You'll already know whether they've avoided disaster or not. Uh, but the Arizona Coyotes roll into Ottawa on Friday night, having lost, what are that, 14, 15 in a row? They did not win in the month of February, which is insane. Because this year, February even had an extra day. The Coyotes played on the 29th. The hockey gods gave them one last chance to avoid the fate of going winless for an entire month, and they shit the bed anyway. They actually didn't really shit the bed. They played... They maybe outplayed Toronto at times on that Thursday night, but uh, Toronto, of course, with with some better finishing talent up front, managed to uh, to dodge a bullet and, and get the win. And so the baton gets passed to the Senators. You'll know, as I said already, did the Ottawa Senators crash and burn and give the Arizona Coyotes their first win of March? Maybe March is going to be a different month for Arizona. Remember earlier on in the season, right into like November, maybe December, the Coyotes were hanging around. Everyone was going, man, look at these guys. They're kind of doing their thing. Uh, you know, maybe they'll hang around the pla- No, off they go. Uh, I'm sort of turning into Versage a little bit. The whole reason I came in here was to drink this beer, and now all I'm doing is talking away and delaying the chance to open it. The beer snob thing reminds me a little of him as well. You've never... Man, you've never spoken to somebody who is, like, as adverse to beer flavor who's got such a high opinion of their own beer tastes as, uh, as Lever Sage. Uh, this, on first pull, a little spicy, which is kind of nice. And I guess, uh, you know, you can expect that a little bit out of a rye ale sometimes. This might have just a little bit of banana flavor to it as well. 
but uh, pretty nice. I'm glad we came in here to talk about this. Glad we're doing a podcast so I can have this, uh, this beer and share it with you good people. I'm not actually going to share it with you. I'm just going to tell you about it. And I, I, I don't share. So, uh, Ilya Labushkin. Look, if you're following us on Twitter, and you should be, at Tall Can Audio, I don't really like the move all that much. And it's because we already have proof of concept. And you're seeing some ridiculous comparisons and some stupid analogies from people who love to fire up the engagement there on, on Twitter. And I don't know how often they believe this stuff or whether or not they're just looking to get those, those replies and those likes and whatever else. But man, there's some dumb shit floating around about this today. One of them being, well, when Kyle Dubas did it two years ago, everybody loved Ilya Labushkin. Now everybody hates it because it's Brad True Living. Shut up. Please. I... I I can't believe you don't shut up. <laughs> I can't believe you don't shut up. Look, the thing that people, there's two factors here. There's a few factors here. When Kyle Dubas did it two years ago, he unloaded Nick Ritchie with it. That had been a bad contract. It wasn't working. It was for multiple years. And in order to get out from under it, you got Ilya Labushkin, who was going to be an unrestricted free agent. There was a thought even outside of the fact that you were unloading Nick Ritchie, which was the biggest part of this. It was considered a miracle at the time that you were able to get out from under that contract. And in return, like I said, you got a pending unrestricted free agent who was a right shot D, and there was some thought, maybe this is the right type of guy that the Leafs need. A hit guy, a defense-only guy, a break-up-the-cycle guy, a defend-at-the-blue-line guy, a penalty-kill guy, maybe a guy you can play with Morgan Riley. You're like, all right, let's take a look. At the time, he was making $1.3 million, and if you didn't like it, like I said, unrestricted free agent, no problem. This time, you didn't unload a bad contract to get him. You dealt away two draft picks to get him. Now, I understand one of those draft picks is to get Carolina to eat some salary. Maybe I should have covered that right off the top, but quickly, Anaheim eats 50% of the contract, trades him to Carolina, who eats... 50% of what's remaining, which means the Leafs get him at 25%, somewhere in the neighborhood of $660,000, $670,000, a totally workable number. But instead of getting out from underneath a bad contract, you've given away two assets to shrink down a bad contract and bring it back into your lineup. And it's no longer um, an experiment. It's no longer a let's see if this guy helps us, a let's see if this guy can play with Morgan Riley. You've already seen it. You did it two years ago. You have proof of concept. We all watched it in the playoffs. It wasn't good. It was okay at times during the regular season, him and Riley. It wasn't good in the playoffs. And so there's no there's no ridiculous, well, Dubas did it and it was great. Now you hate it because it's true living. Please be smarter. Please present the context, everything that went into both deals. You got to trade away Nick Ritchie. For a guy making $1.3 million who is an unrestricted free agent. This time you brought him back. He's now making $2.7 million. I know you don't have to pay it all, but you did have to give away assets to get that number down. And you already know he doesn't work in your lineup. These are not the same thing. And these people know it. They're just looking to fire up the... And they've done it. They fired me up, I guess. So that was a stupid comparison. It's a stupid analogy. Unfollow on principle, anyone out there making it. At least I did. <laughs> Largely wasn't following them anyway, but that shit starts to get forwarded into your uh, into your Twitter timeline. So that's a big part of this. 
The other thing, as we always talk about, is the idea of opportunity cost. Is a third round pick and a sixth round pick horribly expensive? Not really. But what if you turn around in a week and someone has fallen out of this and I don't Seattle says, we will give you Adam Larson for a first and a third. Oh, shoot. We already traded our third for Ilya Labushkin. There's something that goes into all... Now, to be fair to Brad True Living, which is something I have often been accused of not being, and those accusations have not been unfair, to be honest with you. Um, the Leafs' blue line is beat up right now, and they have a tough week before the deadline. Saturday, they got the Rangers. Monday, they got the Bruins. Wednesday, it's the Sabres, who, eh, aren't tough for most teams, but seem to be still tough for the Leafs. And then Thursday, you got Boston again on the back-to-back. So I don't know how long Mark Giordano is going to be out. I don't know how long Timothy Liljegren is going to be out. But they're hurting on the back end. So I don't believe that they watched Gio get hurt on Thursday night, immediately picked up the phone and called Anaheim and said, just take whatever you want, and, and did it. I believe they'd been talking. They knew what it was going to take. They were sort of hemming and hawing. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. But they know Gio's going to be out long term. Maybe they know better than us how long Lilligren's going to be out. And we need somebody right now. Because the, those teams I just lined up for you in the next week, there's a chance you get knocked around here a little bit over the next week. Um, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. But right now we're talking about them having one, eight out of nine. It's not out of the possibility they go, what, one, two, and one over the next four games. You know, in a really bad situation, 0-2-1, whatever it might be. These are a couple of really good teams, and you're beat up a little bit. So, maybe they were hemming and hawing. We might do it. We might wait for the price to come down. But the Geo thing gets you into a situation where you have to do something now. And maybe this isn't it. Maybe they have more that they plan to do and needed to stop the bleeding. But the fact that this came on the heels of the... Tanev deal to Dallas the night before, which the Leafs had been rumored all year to be in on, makes it feel like, all right, well, Tanev is gone. We'll just pivot to our next option. And oh my God, our next option is Ilya Labushkin. I don't hate having this guy on my roster if he's going to be a six, seven when the playoffs start. But I don't feel like you gave up two draft picks. For him to be your six seven, you're you're probably planning to use him, and that that scares me a little bit. And if you don't plan to use him, then you shouldn't have given these assets away. And so I I I just I don't know why you wouldn't have just called up Max Lejoie or that Riffi kid that we saw a week ago, unless you think, like I said, Gio and Lilligren are still a ways away. I it's hard to judge this deal. Until we see what they do for the rest of the the deadline period here. Until we see what they do by next Friday. But on the face of it, I don't like this. You bring him in to be part of your penalty kill. His penalty kill numbers are terrible. And this goes all the way back to where we started the show. Where I said one of the analogies, one of the comparisons people were making. Was when Dubas brought him in. Versus when True Living brought him in. And I think I've already explained why that's a ridiculous comparison. You're allowed to learn things over the two years just because Twitter hasn't. We learned over the last two years this wasn't a very good idea. But the other comparison being made is to Simon Benoit, 
who the Leafs brought out of Anaheim. And at the time, me included, I kind of went, I don't really know. I think you're probably signing him to be a Marley, maybe a call up back and forth guy. He's played all year for the Leafs and he's played pretty well. He's played better than expected. So, of course, everybody jumps. It's just because Anaheim's bad, and when he gets to Toronto, he'll be fine. Well, these aren't the same player. And again, it goes back to the proof of concept. You looked at Simone Benoit and said, you know what? I think that guy is being used wrong down there, and he's being used too much. I think if we could get him up here to work with our guys, we could probably turn him into a pretty useful third-pair defenseman. It's worth a shot. You didn't have to give anything up other than cash. He would have cleared waivers. He goes down to the Marlies. He's not on your cap. No problem. And it did work. So great. Credit to Brad Treliving for doing that. But that's not this. There is no gamble, as I said off the top. You've seen him here. You know what it looks like. There is no speculation. Hmm. There's no educated guess. I think we could get him here and turn him into something. You tried it. It didn't work. He is what he is. He is not going to be what Luke Shen was last year. Because you know how I know that? Because we already watched it. He wasn't. But I do think that's the plan. I do think they're going to play him with Morgan Riley. I think even Sheldon Keefe has determined the best days of Riley Brody are behind us. It really hasn't worked all year. When Riley got that five-game suspension, we saw Brody with Liljegren and Brody move over to the left side. That worked really nicely, basically right up to the Colorado game, and they got run over in that game. And it was mostly Liljegren. Uh, And he hasn't shown up since. Uh, I'm not sure if he got kind of hurt in that game and tried to play through it. I, I really don't know what's happening there. But that looked okay. We have tried a bit in the past Brody on the left with McCabe, They tried that in the playoffs last year, and it really wasn't as good as we hoped it would be. That was kind of supposed to be the shutdown pair. In that situation, I would put it more on McCabe, who was playing in his first Stanley Cup playoffs and looked a little overwhelmed at times. You would hope that won't be the case this year. You know, we've we've done it now. We've seen it. Um, He's got that underneath him, and, and maybe he can, you know, be a little better this year. If you're an optimist, that's what you'd be hoping for. That's sort of what I'm hoping for. I'm not saying he's going to be a terrific top pair shutdown defenseman that guides you to a Stanley Cup. I'm saying I expect he'll look more comfortable this year than last year. So in that situation, I don't know if it has to do with age and Brody slowing down a little bit, but he's looked better over on the left side. So with Liljegren out, Morgan Riley's a team guy. He goes, I'll go try and play the right. Leave Brody where he is. He's looked good. I'll go play the right. Looked bad. Looked, looked, did not look good. So on Thursday against Arizona, Keith kind of says, I know it hasn't worked all year, but we're in a pinch. We're down some guys and we're just going to go back to it. We're just going to have to ask them to grind through it. So it goes back to Riley on the left, Brody on the right. And it still, it didn't look good. So I think we're done with that. And they're trying to find someone else to play with Riley. And I would imagine... If the playoffs started tomorrow and everybody was healthy, what you're looking at is Benoit McCabe, Brody Liljegren, and Riley Labushkin. I don't know how you feel about that. I I don't love it. I guess you would look at Benoit McCabe as the checking pair, the shutdown pair, because in previous years, they haven't even felt like 
putting Liljegren in the playoff lineup. He's been healthy scratched through the playoffs the last couple of years. Keith has not been ready to trust him. Is he now going to trust him to play with Brody in a shutdown pair? They looked pretty good, but like I said, they ran into Colorado, who is the type of team you're going to see in the playoffs, fast, physical, talented, and they got run over together. You don't want to go back to Riley and Brody. So you sort of run out of options here pretty fast. I like what Simon Benoit has done. He's been a nice signing, but I don't think that means you push him up higher into the lineup or like further up your depth. I think you accept that as a third pair guy, he's very good and you let him stay there. You don't try and make him a mediocre second pair shutdown guy. And then that leaves Riley Labushkin. And look, we saw this the last two years. Riley with Shen and Riley with Labushkin the year before that. They they don't send Labushkin out there every time Riley goes out there. They try and find Riley some extra minutes somewhere else. A lot of those will come on the power play. And then, you know, do you send him out for an offensive zone face-off with a different pairing or or something like that? But the way it's sort of set up there with the pairings that I just read off, and again, they might do something else before the deadline, but you look at those trade bait boards, there's nothing out there that really excites you, at least on the defense. Like, I don't think the Leafs are going to be in on Jake Gensel, but that would be an impact move. There's not a lot of those out there, big names that would make a big difference. But you look at that blue line, and you're up by one in a playoff game, face-off in your end? Are you sending out Brody Liljegren, Benoit McCabe, or Riley Labushkin? I, I don't know. I don't know. So, like I said, if it's a question of, and they did bring his cap hit down as much as they could. Like I said, he's coming in under league min here at 675 or whatever it's going to be uh, final told. So they've brought it down. There's financially room to do something else. I'm not sure asset-wise how much you have left. And I'm not sure what else is really out there. And maybe it is as as simple as the fact that they lost out on Tanev. They've looked at the rest of it and said, we're still going to keep trying, but we don't want to be left with nothing. We need some extra depth and we're going to go do this now. And I get that it brought them a slightly different type of player, but this has sort of been the thing all year is that you're, you've been looking for a top four guy and you already have a lot of five, six, seven, eight type guys between Connor Timmons, who will get healthy here shortly, William Logason, Simon Benoit, as I said, I believe is a better third pair type of guy. Um, these are sort you kind of already have these guys and I'm not. I get it. Labushkin brings a different element, but I'm not sure he's better. He's just different. And maybe you need different. That's what they talk about all the time. Playoffs are going to be more physical. All this stuff. Brad Treliving said that one of the things he really likes about Ilya Labushkin is that he breaks up plays and stands up at the blue line. Doesn't let you get in and get set up. And there was a time that was true in Labushkin's um, you know, stats. And, and when you looked at him, he was very good at that. And I'm not saying it's completely gone, and this might be a thing that is tied to how bad Anaheim is, but this year, there's only like four defensemen in the entire league that have been burned on the rush more than him. 
like we're talking bottom five on a lot of these rush statistics. If you're trying to stand up at the blue line and you don't have any support or you miss or whatever, guess what? You're getting burned hard on the rush. And and so is it just that he doesn't have any support from his teammates in Anaheim? Has that skill diminished a little bit? Is he being targeted a little more? We're going to have to wait and see. I just, I don't think this was worth the assets. I don't think the upgrade was worth two draft picks. And I get it. It's a sixth round pick. You're not, you know, that's the one that went to Carolina. It's not going to be the end of the world, but you've already shipped out a lot of picks. I think it was James Myrtle who tweeted on Thursday night that his his opinion, and I think it makes a lot of sense, but I'm not going to take credit for it, is that people still continue to overvalue first round picks, you know, outside of the first five or 10, which are always going to be the best chance to get an elite player. People continue to overvalue first round picks and undervalue third round picks. You got to start looking at these more like zones, you know, kind of 20 through 80, 20 through 100 is kind of fairly interchangeable. And so a second round pick for a long time was undervalued. I think that has stopped now. I think we do appreciate a second round pick. But there's not a big difference between a second and a third. Now, the Leafs didn't have a second. They don't have one for the next three years, which is alarming on its own. Um, but, you know, you traded away a third. And again, to be fair, they do have another third this year. It's the Islanders, which will likely be a better pick than theirs. That was from the Pierre Engvall deal last year. So they haven't completely emptied the cupboard. But when you don't have any second round picks and you don't really want to trade your first round pick, you got to be careful when you're shipping these thirds and everything else out the door. So this is not the end of the world. It is not a disaster. We'll wait and see what happens over the next couple of days, the next week or so. But on the face of it, and really just because I wanted a, an excuse to come in here and sit down and drink a beer, I thought we'd talk a little bit about Ilya Labushkin. Who, like I said, first go around, Riley's numbers with Labushkin were worse than his numbers without him. They were okay in the regular season, but they got torched together in the playoffs against Tampa Bay. You're going you're gonna to see a good team this year, whether it's Boston or Florida. That's who you're going to get in the first round, it looks like. And I don't know, maybe against Florida and the way they play... Maybe you want a guy like uh, Labushkin. Maybe you're willing to give up a little bit on the defensive side of things for a little more physicality, a little more snarl, a little more snot, as Brad Trelevin calls it. But to me, good listener, snot good. Snot something I would have done. Okay, I'm sorry. It's time to it's time to shut this down. If we've gotten into wordplay time, a third of the way through this beer, it's not much fun doing the beer part of this when you're in here by yourself because there's nobody to take the ball from you for a second so you can have a sip you just have these big long gaps in the in the monologue while you're trying to drink your beer and half the time I just end up editing them out gets lonely in here good listener not for long Rob will be back in here on Sunday afternoon to help put together your Monday morning show Angela Thompson will be on the podcast Tuesday morning Lever Sage Thursday morning Steve Bunda Friday morning I won't be lonely all week it's going to be a good time ahead. Hope you'll stick around. Hope you all have. This time This time I mean it. I'm not dropping back in here on Sunday. Watch somebody make a big trade, sends deal Tarasenko or something. I'm not doing it. This is it. Until Monday. Hope you all have a great weekend. We'll talk to you then.
I can't believe you don't shut up. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this silkong was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Ugh.